Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Is This Music, a podcast about the mysteries of musical taste, why we love the music we love and hate what we hate. My name is Malcolm Fraser. On today's episode, I'm talking to Tamika Bernard. She's a DJ in Toronto. Uh, we talk about rap and hip hop, DJ culture, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Let's just get right into it. I hope you enjoy it. Tamika Bernard, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So so um, we know each other from Montreal. Mm-hmm. We worked together at the Depanera Le Pickup yes, for a little indeed. while. Yep. And uh, and you're now based in Toronto. Mm-hmm. That's um, right. But you, but you are from uh, New York, I believe. Is that I right? I am. Yeah, I grew up in New York. I wasn't born there. I was born in... Um, in a country called Guyana in South America. Uh-huh. Uh, we moved to New York when I was two. Um, so I was there pretty much my whole life until I left at age 27 or so, I think. It's definitely getting, uh, maybe 28 is when I left. But it's, a, it's been about a decade since I've been back home, um, since I left. So left okay. New York. Um, so what brought you to Canada? Um, I had a couple of, well, mostly for love. My wife is mm-hmm. Canadian. So um, we met in New York because she's got dual citizenship. Um, and yeah, fell in love. And we're kind of like deciding to make a move um, in one way or another. And mm-hmm. we're thinking about other places in the States. Um, and then also just considered, you know, just coming back to her home base of Canada and and yeah we picked Montreal I think we picked Montreal because definitely my wife had a lot of friends there and I'd been there before and really loved the city was really like enamored with the city um when Mm -hmm. I visited before and I, I was like and Toronto I had a lot of family base in Toronto but I for some reason at the time we were like maybe that's not quite the city there's not as many friends there and so yeah we were in Montreal for like five years yeah and then and I remember that uh like while you were there mm-hmm. I I knew you as a co-worker but then I also got to know you as a DJ yes because you did these great nights at the Royal Phoenix mm-hmm. since uh, R.I.P. shuttered yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and uh and those were so cool. I mean, I remember like I wouldn't wouldn't say I'm any kind of expert in DJ anything, but I really always loved uh, your sets because awesome. of the way that they like mixed up like, you know, I'm like an old school yep. fan. So mm-hmm. so I always enjoyed hearing like some old school thrown in there, but then mixing it up with new stuff. And I felt like a lot of people didn't do that. Right. Like pe- a lot of people are sort of uh, dogmatically either new school or old school. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever anybody mixes up the two, uh, I'm happy about that. That's awesome. Yeah. I, that's always been my go-to. Like, I feel like as a person, I'm, I'm cross, I'm cross-cultural in a lot of ways. So I, I take influence from a lot of different things and musically that's always been true. So I always felt like my, my sets needed to reflect that part of my identity that I just like it wasn't always just like a rigid one thing was up you know yeah that there's like a common strand but and that's the fun part is like like weaving that common strand through all the different whatevers you know yeah yeah so what is the common strand in your mind um I don't know I don't know if it's something that I could identify and like kind of put into words it's just like kind of like a mood a mood based thing like whenever I make like you when I do pre-recorded sets and stuff like that, like if I'm like if I'm like just recording something for myself to like put on to my SoundCloud or th- something like that, like I kind of like start off with like what mood I'm trying to I'm trying to get across and then the genres will jump around because like you can catch that mood in R&B zone or you can catch that same mood in a in a like reggaeton zone you know like you can jump all the way to the other side of things and still be able to sort of feel the same vibe you know yeah for sure um uh the other thing that i thought was so cool about royal phoenix was that it brought together um like a a lot of different people yeah like you know different communities and cultures and everything which 
weirdly, you know, as much as Montreal likes to flatter itself that it's super diverse and everything, like that wasn't that common right. at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to see lots of different types of people out enjoying themselves together. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know if I don't know what you what the magic was that you had that that made that happen. Um, but it kind of reminded me more of an American or or Toronto type like atmosphere where you do see more different types of people totally. congregating. Yeah, well, mainly also like the biggest party that I threw out in Montreal was this party cousins, and I started it with two um, friends of mine at the time who were both Tor- Toronto DJs, and so. And me coming from New York and yeah, having like you said, like you're saying, like this sort of like this picture of what like a gathering would look like, this picture of what a party would look like that was very, very different from one person to the next. Like, I mean, definitely you can get you can get like very specific scene vibes in New York, too. But a lot of the parties are just like everybody and everybody and everybody's catching the same on the same wavelength about the music. And I think that um, my partners in that party, like they had the same thing going on in Toronto with the party that they threw here. So um, we just kind of bridged that together. And yeah, it seemed to really go over well. Like it was very, um, those parties at the end of the night where the lights come on and you can actually like get a good picture of like how different each person is from the next and people that you know from different scenes around town it's like it felt very um kind of like wholesome (laughs) and heartwarming totally at the end of the yeah yeah it was a nice community feeling Mm -hmm. um so you ended up moving to Toronto, mm-hmm. where you are to this day. So yes. what, what was uh, what was behind that move? Well, a couple of different reasons. One of the big ones was the cold, actually, the weather in Montreal. Yeah, yeah, fair. It's loomy. Like, <laughs> it, just, it just undid me. I, I thought I was becoming a G for a second. I was like, I got this thing down. Like, I can make it through. Like, I got the right gear now. I, like, know the right decisions to make about like when to go out of the house and for how long and all this kind of stuff. I just never got used to it. I'm just such a cold guy. (laughs) I'm just like, I was born in South America. So like, I don't know, like, I just think my blood gets to a certain temperature. And then it's like, no, we can't do this anymore. And (laughs) Montreal kind of took the wind out of my sails about about that like I kind of lost my whimsy feeling about winter in Montreal because I was like, wow, this is so beautiful. And I was like, Oh wow, this is this is a, this is going on for a long while now. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's it's it lasts for like half the year, and Oof. that's just real, you know. Yeah, it's and, so real. And there, I remember that um, there were a few like really brutal winters around yeah. that time. Yeah, like that's just it. really soul crushing. Oh, it really <laughs> were. It the soul crushing is exactly how I would put it. I just was like. I figured I was a strong person mentally and physically in this world. And then I had to grapple with myself <laughs> and that cold, like it was me versus uh-huh. the cold and the cold one I had to bounce. <laughs> so that was one reason that was, um, that was a big one. And I wanted to be in my scene in Montreal, though I loved it. It was pretty white in majority. And I wanted to have, um, I wanted to have a little bit more of a community that kind of reflected my community in New York, where it was just like, while being really diverse, like definitely having more of myself reflected back at me. So sure, we came out to Toronto to get a little bit more of that. And um, yeah, we had like an opportunity to like buy a thing with two, uh, two other friends of ours. So we, we kind of jumped on that. That was is so it's like a, a a domino effect, like a perfect storm of a couple of different things that led us right. here. And did you have you found like you've been in Toronto for for a few years now? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Did you find it took a while to get established, like as a DJ or in communities, or or was it pretty? Were you able to? I found it pretty. In? Yeah, I found it pretty. I didn't find it to be too difficult. Like you know, again, like I did have a lot of 
a lot of friendships, pre-existing friendships here, like in the in the scene and also just like in the city in, in general. So I had a bit of cushioning when it came to sort of breaking into um, the music scene and breaking into the DJing scene here. And I got put on by a couple of those the, those those pre-existing relationships and then also just like I think that I'm the kind of person that is like I need to adapt quick that's like just like yeah. a survival mechanism so I think that I was just like able to get myself to just like make make some new friends and like and like put myself out there and start to really focus on like improving my skills and and technique and really focusing on like putting myself out there in an individual way and getting gigs and trying to be the best that I could be that night so that everybody left being like, Hey, like she's all right. She's like, she's all right at that, at that DJ thing. <laughs> she's not too bad. I see you've started to master like Canadian self-effacement. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I, I feel like that might be, that might be true. I sometimes talk to my American friends and they're like, you say sorry a lot now. You didn't used to be all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, do you remember uh, Berlin Reed? Was was he at the yeah. pickup the same time you were? Yes. Like yeah. I remember one time he got he, he sort of got frustrated with me and he was like, "Look, when you need me to get out of the way, don't say sorry. Just say like <laughs> get out of my way." Or <laughs> yeah, well, yeah uh, there's some other way you can say it. It's true. <laughs> yeah, and I was I it really made me reflect, and I was like, "Yeah, it's true that Canadians apologize a lot, but I don't think." I think what people don't realize is that a lot of the time we don't mean it. Right. It's like a passive aggressive. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. I did. I have learned that trick. <laughs> I have learned that that piece of the puzzle out here for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was the thing to get so, used to. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, so growing up in New York, mm -hmm. like what, what do you remember as your earliest musical memories? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, well, my brother, when I was a kid, my brother was a DJ too. And he um, he was always playing music in the house. And he would have a lot of friends that would come over and like join in in the sets. And people would bring their own records. And he was mostly like a house head. Like he played a lot of house okay. music. Uh, one of the earliest um, memories that I have um, with him and like his influence and like house music influence is like I was mm -hmm. sitting on the couch. I must have been something like six years old and a friend of his was over and I was a pretty shy kid. And, you know, a friend of his was like, you think you think Tam is into the music? Let me I don't know. She's pretty quiet. She's not saying much. And I like eventually like started to like where I had been like kind of moving my toe, like my one single big toe along with the beat just like okay. really really low key and my brother was like oh yeah she likes it i saw her i saw her toe moving <laughs> so that's, that, that's good that you could master a low key uh, you know appreciation at like such a, a young toe age dance. yeah so i think that's one of my earliest memories in terms of like oh like thinking about music or the mood that music can can bring or what it can evoke like that's like our early perception of being like, oh yeah, music, it's cool. And my dad, like, he made me, he made me play a lot of, like, records, and he was like kind of across the map in terms of his musical taste too. If I think about it, I think my dad is like a big influence in terms of how eclectic my musical taste actually is, because he would put on like Enya, and then he would put on like Al Green, and then he would be mm. he, he would be bopping his head to both of those things as heavy, you know. He'd be like, "Oh yes, mm. the beat is hitting in this Enya track," but also he would say that same thing <laughs> about the Soul track or whatever. So, yeah, if I think about it, my dad is like probably brought like a lot of the earliest influences of music, and then New York in general is just such a musical place. Like, yeah. And when I was really young, we lived in, we lived in Hollis and uh, South Jamaica, Queens. And mm -hmm. both of those are neighborhoods that just like have like a lot of, at the time, like we're going into eighties now, like early to mid eighties is when I was like living at, in Hollis. Mm -hmm. And that's like around like LL Cool J is like big, 
come up and yeah. like his music was well, everywhere. Run DMC was from Hollis. Yeah, right? like everybody was just like, like this was like back early in the stirrings of like a young Jaw Rule. Like, okay. you know, like hearing like names like the, that you would hear in the future were happening when I was a kid in New York. And everybody's just always playing something out there, out their car window. And people are always hustling their music, their personal music on the street. So like mm-hmm. if you go to any subway station, you get on any subway station, there's at least four dudes, you know, two upstairs and two downstairs by the turnstiles that are trying to like pedal their mixtape or their demo track of this like song they produced like everybody was always sharing music making music sharing music so it was always around it was like if you wanted it if you wanted to hear the new hot thing like you could just like go outside and like have a listen (laughs) like go to the go to the one spot on the corner that like sold everybody's like bootleg or whatever mixtapes just like for yeah. like five dollars, you know. That's so cool. Yeah. And what 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 do you remember being like in that hip hop sort of world? Like, what, what was what's the earliest stuff you remember being into? Oh yeah, that's a hard question because there's early early stuff. But if I feel like I feel like because of my age, I feel like one of the earliest rappers, of course that. I would have been absolutely in love with is Biggie. Like I would have just been like, I just remember playing. I remember like having early Biggie playing in like the pizza party at, you know, like my school's pizza party in like the fifth grade or something like that. Like, Mm -hmm. like hearing like early, early Biggie, like mixtape Biggie gives me like a little, a lot of like a nostalgia flood so I feel mm-hmm. like that was one of the biggest and first main hip hop specific influences that I I was just like, oh no, this guy, this guy's got it. <laughs> this guy's got it. Like he's, and it was also just like a, it's like anything like in that hometown love kind of way. Like, I mean, I like, I spent my childhood in Queens, but when I went to high school, I went to high school in Brooklyn and then I mm-hmm. kind of lived in Brooklyn from then on until until uh, we left for Canada. So I feel okay. like very I feel like Brooklyn solidarity very, very, very high within me. You know, like I have like Brooklyn tattooed on my knuckles. <laughs> like so it was like he's such a representative of of that borough. And so uh-huh. it kind of stu- he kind of stuck with me as being like as being like one of the early, early heavy hitters in terms of, cause like I liked a lot of, my brother listened to a lot of hip hop too and a lot of early rap. And I just like, I liked the mixtape stuff. Like I could rattle off a million other names, but uh-huh. in terms of the one that I think that I was most like, I felt like most like star, star struck by, I think it, that was probably mm-hmm. Biggie. Yeah. What what did you what did you see as the biggest difference between like Queens and Brooklyn as far as that like music and community vibe? Though yeah, they're very they're very different places to be honest. It's funny from borough to borough, New York is quite different. Like when people talk about um, New York being kind of like a grimy, unfriendly, unre- unfriendly place, that's like so specific to like where you go. Like it's true that like of course like uh, Brooklyn's like very very friendly place like you always and queens as well there's a lot of like good morning good afternoon like you know your neighbors you you like you talk to people on the street like you know you don't like there's an there's definitely like an edge because it's the city and everything in the city has an edge so Mm -hmm. there's definitely like a edge like a lines that you you don't want to cross and stuff like that too but like in terms of like an overall vibe like i find that there's a lot of places that are very, very friendly and Queens. I feel like Queens had a, for a long time, the rap that was coming out of Queens was like a little bit more happy go lucky in terms of like the vibe that it was giving. And if we're, if we're going early mm-hmm. um, and then that changed of course over the years. And you also had like LL, he's such a, he's such a like, 
you know, like he's kind of like a bubblegum guy in a way. So sure. He he has he kind of gave he painted queens in that way. And then then years later, then you have like the Lost Boys and they were like they're a very different vibe in Queens that like was like replacing this kind of like almost preppy, like Elle's not preppy or anything, but like a little bit. Like there's a little like clean around the edges pretty boy and then you have these like dreads with like unkempt beards you know just like giving a very (laughs) giving a very different like more it felt almost like a more brooklyn appeal because brooklyn's i feel like brooklyn's delivery has always been a little bit heavier like a little bit even though it's like again a very like i think very friendly place like the music Uh was a lot more um it had kind of like a darkness to it, like a little bit more of a darkness to it. But then, I don't know, it's like both places, depending, it also depends on like the moment in time you're talking about. Cause yeah, of course. Things shift five years and then that flips and then vice versa, vice versa. I think yeah. about like Slick Rick sometimes, but I think about like how Slick Rick had like, he had like a very, in some ways, very poppy, like external presentation of himself like he was just kind of like like overdoing it kind of suit you know mouthful of gold Mm -hmm. like the the most the biggest gold chains like he had to be out there with the biggest gold chains and like all the rings on his fingers and stuff like that like and also with this like kind of like melodic like sing-songy way of delivering his lyrics and Mm -hmm. But some, but like a lot of his songs were heavy, like, like they sounded fun, but a lot of his songs were actually like, oh, this is, hmm, (laughs) this is not, this is like kind of a bad scene that we're talking about right here. Like, and I feel like he was one of those, like the the guys that like kind of rode the line a little bit. Uh He kind of, he kind of gave a little bit of both in his delivery. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, So when did you start like getting interested in DJing? Um, well, I kind of, it's kind of a two part answer because I, because my brother DJed when I was a kid, it was always something that I messed around with. And like, I would like sneak into his bedroom when we were younger and like play on his synths and his DJ equipment and like, try to like, see if I could eh, do this like music thing. But like, Mm -hmm. I think in a more serious way, it's like, because I, I developed these friendships with these, these several friends in in Toronto who were like DJs and were like yeah like maybe like give it a try like we all like the same music and like you have a good ear so let's let's see how it goes like so I think that that's what got me to to you know all those years later to be like maybe this is something that I can take a little bit more seriously and see if I can develop into a skill and here we are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So, so does that mean that you weren't DJing like at the time you lived in, in New York? It only started when you. Yeah. No, Canada, not or? in any serious kind of way because I had, I did like, I messed around on like folks equipment and stuff at parties, but it mm-hmm. wasn't a, it was never, it wasn't like a, this is something I'm going to do. It was just, like, very casual, very, like, specific to, like, the environments that you end up in in New York where you can be ending up in a cipher trying to, all of a sudden, you're a rapper. <laughs> like, you know, you're just like, uh-huh. at least tonight, I'm a rapper. Maybe I'm going to be a rapper this week. Like, this was this is kind of the way things are <laughs> in uh-huh. New York. And then, like, DJing was a kind of thing also like that where it was just like, oh, yeah, maybe this is something I could do, like cool but like not but like it doesn't last longer than either that night or that week and like I didn't have any kind of serious like in like jumping in to DJing and like using like equipment and stuff like that like and building skill set on that equipment I didn't have that until I moved to Canada right yeah Uh, when you talked about like being a rapper for one night is that a personal experience that you had i was a rapper for more than one night actually i was a rapper in a girl group called omg michelle 
um, okay. <laughs> when I was in my early 20s. Um, shout out to everybody from OMG Michelle. I hope you're listening. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I was I was part of this girl rap group. Um, and we cut a couple of records together, <laughs> but it wasn't. That, that's that's amazing. We got yeah, one or two, but they're they're embarrassing. Definitely, like I cringe. Some of them I don't cringe as much, but some most of it I cringe. For okay, sure. so I I won't dwell on it too much, but I am kind of fascinated. Like, <laughs> so how did it come about that you like? Can you tell me a bit about that? How that came well, about as a project? Well, I have these friends in New York. Um, uh, some of which I'm still in touch with and like good dear friends with. Um, but I had these friends in New York and they were, they were thinking about, they were like, we should all rap. And, and then I think that they just wanted another member. And then they were like, Tammy, let's, let's get her in here. She can rap. And then, so I joined their, I joined their crew and okay. they, we were all in the, like, kind of like the club scene together. And in that scene, there were, a couple of producers that who um who are now like really really big producers who are quite successful like kingdom it's really cool to see um kingdom being so famous now because uh he was the producer of like omg michelle's first like quote-unquote hit okay <laughs> quote-unquote hit i mean it did okay on the on the club circuit got played out by a bunch of DJs. A couple of the songs got played out by a bunch of DJs. Um, but yeah, it was like, kind of like one of those things where you're like, somebody has an idea. They're like, well, we can rap. I mean, we were all this kind of like alterna, like queer black girls that were just like dressed kind of weird and like, but also really loved hip hop and also really loved like, being like hood like (laughs) even though we like also were like giving a little bit of union square like skate aesthetic sometimes you know this kind of thing so yeah yeah sure i got i I gotta (laughs) check this out yeah can you picture (laughs) this in your head yeah it's like it's pretty funny i was getting there (laughs) yeah it was a fun time how how long did, did that last for it didn't last that long it didn't last that long we were young and okay. and um, I think all at, had different things that, you know, young and fickle and like problematic, probably in a lot of ways. So it was okay. like a hit. It was like a season, I would say. Oh, wow. OK. Yeah, so pretty like short lived. Pretty short lived, like maybe a year. I don't know. Time also for me in my early 20s was a lot different it like tr- moved a lot differently oh of course yeah, <laughs> that's just for the me other now. day i was talking to a friend uh, about an old a, an old band that she was in that i loved uh-huh. and she said we were only together for a year and i was just thinking man like in my mind that's a whole chapter of my life <laughs> totally. and you're saying it was only it was only a year i mean the numbers don't lie but it seems like so much more epic than that so true for me it's so true. Yeah, it could have been, who knows, it could have been six months, it could have been two years, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so was that the beginning and end of your career as a rapper? Um, yes, that was pretty much it. I mean, I have I have a hilarious history with like myself as a as a very, very loose air quotes, like like musical artist because okay. <laughs> of being uh, in in high school, I would like I had like a whole rap alias that I like persona that I would like pull out in the ciphers with the with the dudes in the hallway in high school. Like I just like had a whole vision. I would definitely like have a notebook that I scribbled in. Like I definitely had a vision of myself as like coming out with like the next big thing, the next big record. But Uh I'm really bad at pulling the trigger on that kind of thing. So I was like. I feel like I've always had this image of myself as actually having a conversation with a friend the other day where I was like, it's weird. It's like, I feel like I could have gone into acting and be like bawling out here because of just like dipping my toe in acting one day and then being like, oh, I'm actually really good at this. But then you think back and you're like, were you actually really good at it? Or (laughs) did you just think you were really good at it? And I, I feel that way about rapping where I kind of went, I'm like, 
I think about the mood that I had about it at the time, which was just very much like, wow, I'm really, this could be a real thing. And then I'm like, well, was that true though? Or were you just young and feeling yourself? <laughs> you know, I know what you mean, but I can't help but wonder like if the biggest difference between people who, who, who make it or keep at it and people who don't mm -hmm. is just that like they lack that um, self criticism or self yep. They don't stop to think, wait, am I actually any good at this? Right. Just... <laughs> you know what? You're so right. You're so right. Because... And if... and some of them, frankly, you know, should yeah. stop it at. <laughs> totally. <laughs> but, uh, I'm not going to name no thing. names. <laughs> but we all know. <laughs> um, it's so, true. Um, yeah. Yeah, I feel um, like it's... I, I, like... I do often wonder like what would have happened if um, if I just was one of those people that was just like, no, just do it. See what happens. Just do it. Well, it's, ne it's never too late, right? That's true. Imagine what I'd be rapping about now. <laughs> I got some things. <laughs> um, so what, um, I mean, you're, you're still uh, active as a DJ, even mm -hmm. in these COVID times. Yeah. Um, you find you find venue, avenues for for doing that. Yeah, yeah, I've definitely been like I've gotten some cool gigs, um, some cool Zoom gigs um, throughout the quarantine period. Done a couple of like my own kind of lives and that kind of thing, and that's been fun. Like to be honest, like I mean, I really really miss DJing. I was I was just talking about this the other day where I just like. I kind of mourn the way that it used to be and it's wild to, to visualize what it would look like again in like mm -hmm. in the, in the near future at least, or even yeah. the not so near future. Like I, I feel like the way the sweaty packed club sounds wild to me. Like I don't know how I could be in that environment again comfortably or don't know when that will happen. Um, yeah. but and that's probably everybody's going to take a long time to get back to that to to even though we all crave it we're all sitting out here being like oh just remembering that feeling of just being against like hundreds of other sweaty bodies and everybody's wiling out next to you like mm -hmm. to the music that like sometimes you're playing like that's like very like that's like very euphoric in terms of like how it can feel like that that exchange of energy like how that is like a delivery Absolutely. system like simultaneously back and forth and and zoom djing is not that <laughs> it's not that same vibe but it is also all these other things that i really love and appreciate and i'm glad that we get to do like i'm so glad that people like were smart and quick at the beginning of pandemic and like started things like you know club quarantine and started things like like people were just like let me just make this a thing like you know like boiler rooms like isolation series like just like people were like we can still share vibe through music but we're just gonna have to do it this way now and you can still catch you can still tap into at least the intended vibe even though you can't feel the like actual like physical exchange of it you know for sure yeah for sure so, um, you, uh, where do you, where do you find music these days? Where do you, where do you discover music? I, I listen to SoundCloud, like people listen to like talk radio or like people listen to like, like sports center or something. Okay. I just kind of like put SoundCloud on when I'm doing most of what I, I do like cleaning my house, like, like washing the dishes, driving my car, like, I just have it playing a lot of the time. So I just hear a lot of music through that, um, through that portal. Like, if I just stay on a stream, like, SoundCloud's algorithm has gotten to know me really well. So I feel like it's always feeding me more of what I would like to hear. And if I go mm -hmm. off on a tangent, if I hear about something that through another, like, you know, where like a friend of mine will put me on to something new or send me a link or somebody will like drop a link in my DMs of something that they made and I'll hear it and I'll be like, oh, that's really dope too. And that's not an avenue that I often search. So now I'm going to start searching that avenue and then the algorithm will learn that I like that too. And so I'll get more and more and yeah. more. So 
SoundCloud's definitely like I, uh, and Bandcamp too. SoundCloud and Bandcamp are like the two big ones for me. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I I I have a SoundCloud account, although it's very dormant. And I feel like at a certain point, I sort of lost the plot of how to use it, or maybe it was right. just like one too many platforms to to master. Yeah, I hear um, that. Yeah. Um, but, um, but it sounds like, and, and, you know, in fact, I, I, I had wondered at some point if SoundCloud was still like active, but I've realized as yeah. you're saying it, it's just me who's not paying attention. I mean, I it. think that actually a lot of people think it might not be as active as it used to be because there's a lot of other platforms that you can use now that are even more, um, user-friendly and their interfaces work a lot more smoothly you know they're just like smoother in general and people use mixcloud a lot these days too and also like different platforms will 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 charge you different you know like there's all these mm-hmm. kinds of ways that like the amount of stuff that you can upload is sometimes like um like a pay per service mm-hmm. or whatever but um yeah i i just feel like for me just because uh, of the frequency of use with soundcloud it's like I can I can kind of guarantee that whatever yeah whatever analytics is happening behind the scenes is just constantly working to sort of spit something back out at me that I'm going to kind of pick up on and like like so I I do like have all these playlists that show up for me based on what I've listened to on SoundCloud and mm-hmm. I just listen to them and I'm like yeah this works too yeah you're not quite you're not off the mark yet like it's like <laughs> got cool. really yeah it's got really easy for me in that way but i think that's just also because i've had like years and years of just sourcing music now and and that like just feeds back into that that loop yeah yeah um t- talking about soundcloud like i've i've been doing this podcast and and, and you know uh a lot we talk about people's musical taste and what they like and what they don't like and mm-hmm. i feel like something that people say they don't like that comes up again and again is like in quotes soundcloud rap mm-hmm. or like mumble rap mm-hmm. um and i was wondering like as someone who's who's plugged into to new music as well as appreciating uh, older music like, yeah w- what's your take on that do, do you see that do you do you are, do, are you an appreciator of where that's coming from? I mean, it, it kind of depends. For me, everything is just like, is, I I don't know that I can make a statement about that in a blanket way because I sure. don't know that I've, I've even, even listened to a ton of what that might be. Like, I'm not even sure. Okay. But, like, I definitely have heard like music from people that I would put into one that to put into that category but I feel like yeah I remember when some of it started to come out and I called it young boy music and kind of I did call it young boy music because I was like this is a bit outside of what I may have an ear for like I was like well maybe this is the defining line for me in terms of like if I have a taste thing like maybe this is less my taste but mm-hmm. I also have been proven wrong a lot of a lot of times with that. I've ha- I've heard music from like, you know, I've heard what I would consider young boy music, and then been really enamored with it. Like I remember when Migos first came out, I was like, oh, this is too much. What 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 did he say? Like no, the this is too much. It's too it's too extra. And I was like within a week of listening to Migos, then I was just all like I was bumping Migos all the time. And I was so it's it's so it's just like in the in terms of the 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 genre itself or like what would fall into that category i feel like there's probably some gems that come out of it but i also think that like maybe it's like anything that kind of gains popularity fast in this kind of like viral way if you're like yeah i'm going to be a soundcloud rapper or like i'm going to make this like one particular kind of trap or you know like the the field becomes like too saturated too fast and so when you have that many that's so true yeah if you have that many people making a thing some of it's not going to be good (laughs) some of it's going to be bad (laughs) and i've definitely heard some bad soundcloud rap in my day (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh i I wonder like you know what what that line is or or where like i'm sure someone more expert could say maybe you could say like 
where that where and when that that sound or style begins and what is it about it that's so like annoying to older people mm-hmm. I mean yeah I think that probably having like very specific specific vernacular is a part of it like where people mm-hmm. are using terminologies that like only exist in this one sub 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 subculture <laughs> and like mm-hmm. if you don't get it if you don't speak that language then you're going to be like huh which i was i have been many times in my <laughs> life been like huh about like the way that some of the newer stuff sounds but uh-huh. also like i love that a lot of it exists and i also think that there's so many people who this is why I love like DJs and producers because even like because they'll they'll take something that already exists and then change it up and then put a new spin on it and then make you go back to the old thing and be like, well, maybe that was fire. Like, you know, like maybe I just didn't notice the first time around. But actually now this is like one of my favorite songs. So I feel like. Yeah, I feel like it's hard to identify what the line is for me. There's a way where, yeah, I guess there's a way where a tempo or a cadence of delivery in a flow will sound a little bit formulaic or something. Like it'll sound, it'll, sure. it'll all start to sound like the one I heard right before, right before, right before. And like everybody all, and then, and then next thing you know, everyone sounds like Migos or everyone sounds like Ritomi Kwan or, you know, but then. It's hard to it's hard to say like those guys also were influenced by somebody and they weren't the first to do it either but there's a way yeah. where it's like if it gets yeah again if it's if it's like the line is if it sounds like if I hear it and I it to me it feels like part of the oversaturation then then that means I'm not that I'm not that uh-huh. into it that that's a really good uh, insight it, it makes me think like you know I I tend to you know, in spite of myself, I, I, I try to keep up with new music, but I tend mm-hmm. to, to like older music. And maybe part of the reason for that is that, like, there have been, you know, this series of comps that keep coming out, like, mm-hmm. whether it was, like, the soul jazz reissues of, like, Tropicalia mm-hmm. um, in the early 2000s or the Ethiopiques totally. um, series. Mm-hmm. And then that sort of started a, a landslide of, like, African music from the 70s and and now you're seeing comps that are more like from the 80s and 90s mm-hmm. and you know it keeps going and going and i'm thinking like just music is so amazing and then i'm like well yeah it's a compilation of like yeah. the best songs from like an entire decade of an entire country or it's whatever it's so true so maybe like 10 years from now there'll right? be some amazing comp that comes out of of mumble of, rap you know, yeah <laughs> and i'll be like oh it, it was amazing How i can't did I miss wait this? i can't wait honestly that's exactly what i'm talking about that's the kind of thing where i'm like yeah cool that works for me too like it it'll all come back around like it's so weird how much of our existence is cyclical in that way like i'm i notice that with aesthetic all the time but you just hear it in music too so much where you're like wow this is just a throwback like and that other yeah. thing was a throwback too <laughs> yeah well, yeah. I, uh, I, I, last summer I had the opportunity to listen to a bit of like American commercial radio for a little bit. And right. I noticed that a, a bunch of the top hits had this like disco throwback sound. Totally. And I was kind of like, well, you know, like that's at least the second or third disco comeback that I've seen like right. in my life. Right. But, but it's great. Like, I'll take it. I know. You know? It's, <laughs> like, it's real. It's real. I'll take it too. Like I, I'm unashamed to say that I like disco. I have lots of disco songs that I'm, I bump still. So <laughs> like in my car, like on, in the, on the headphones, like even if I don't oh, yeah. play it out, even if I don't play it out of the club, I've definitely played like, yeah, exactly. Like you're saying, like, like edits that have like some kind of feature that like is a throwback to that one Donner Summer song or whatever. Like it's all uh-huh. in there still. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That brings me to another question, which is like, are there any like you talked about, you know, your dad being an Enya fan. Mm -hmm. Like, are there any are there any tastes of yours that like people might be surprised to 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 hear? Well, oh, gosh. I mean, yes. Like if you've ever like get if 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 you've ever been at karaoke with me, you'll know that like I'd be pulling out some real deep 
stuff. Like I'll I'll do a system of the down on you, you okay. know. I'll put some <laughs> I'll definitely put some guns and roses on you. I will scream Radiohead to the top of my lungs like like Muse, a big Muse okay. head messed around with some Tori Amos back in the day. You know, like <laughs> like kind of it's all over the place it's all over the place and it's funny because the two friends of mine who were those two djs that i started cousins with we all Mm -hmm. have this in common so we all are very influenced by and have grown up surrounded by urban music like Mm -hmm. hip-hop culture dancehall culture r&b all of that is like at central to us but our satellites are all extremely, extremely like far reaching in terms of the stuff that mm-hmm. we were, the other stuff that we are into. And sometimes like I had did a road trip with one of those friends of mine um, uh, a couple years ago. We were with a newer friend and this newer friend knows us from DJing and has known us from like uh-huh. DJing, like being like DJing like a, this hip hop party together. And, and then we'll put on like our 90s alternative mix that like, uh-huh. you know, like we'll put on our trip hop mix and we'll just be screaming Porta's head to the back to the top of our lungs and all this kind of stuff. Like and this other friend was like, oh, oh OK, <laughs> I see. So it's like I feel like, yeah, it really is all over the map. Like and my dad is really, really big for that because like he he got me into classical like he got me into like. He got me into everything, like, and I, I still listen to everything because I'm just like, there might be something good, <laughs> no matter of where course. you look. There might be something good. Totally. Yeah. And is there any kind of music that is like, you know, you just you just can't do it, like, mm-hmm. no matter how hard you try. It. I mean, I I, I don't think I've ever gotten down like heavy with like commercial country. I I, and I say that because like. If I hear like some kind of folk country songs, like there's definitely some artists I've known that have like used like melodies that are kind of like giving you that kind of like prairie house on the prairie vibe in the background is mm-hmm. a banjo somewhere in there, like like mm-hmm. giving me a little bit of a country like subtext, but mm-hmm. like some of the commercial stuff that's like the stadium stuff, I can't. I'm just like nope. <laughs> yeah Yeah, there's something about it i know what you mean and i was just saying that the other day like i kind of wish i could you know unlock what it is that that is just a a uh a you know blockade for me (laughs) but uh, but it definitely exists too yeah yeah it's funny it's a good question though because i do think of myself as being like kind of universally like everybody in but if i if i if I'm asked if, to pinpoint, I can pull something out. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, um, listen, it's been really nice talking to you and, yeah, you and too. reconnecting, uh, talking music. And I hope that, um, you know, I mean, as you said, it's it, it's so hard to, to know what the next step looks like mm-hmm. and like when or if we're going to get back to, you know, something, you know, the way... Th- things were before yeah um but uh, i'll tell you like you know i would really love to you know be in a club listening to one of your dj sets oh that's that, nice that, that's a happy place <laughs> thanks malcolm i appreciate that i hope for that again one day too totally yeah and um i guess um just before we go i i was curious about one other thing mm-hmm. which is just like how how you find the um like we were talking about Toronto earlier and the and the sort of uh, you know scene and community mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. I'm from Toronto. I was born there, and okay. I, I moved around a lot. But I also lived there for like eight years in the in the '90s, early 2000s. Right. Um, but I feel like it's really transformed, mm-hmm. and uh, it's now it's kind of like no, it's kind of known like because of Drake and the Weekend. Right. Like, it's kind of transformed the image of the city. So true. Into um, you know from this sort of like dull kind of waspy place to this kind of hot urban kind of place so true and i wondered like i'm not even sure like how to phrase this but like do you see that on the ground like was that oh yeah i mean i feel like when we 
when we got here and when Drake was when Drake was like first hitting like Drake put everybody's chest like got everybody's chest to puff out I think in Toronto mm-hmm. so I think that the city was really feeling themselves after he hit the scene and gained so much success and that just kind of like it transferred into I think most people's confidence so like all of a sudden people had a little bit more swagger a a little bit it's not to say that those things didn't exist before but I just feel like definitely if we're talking like for strictly a consumption level I feel like a lot more people just started being like oh maybe I can mess with rap like or I can mess with like hip-hop this is really hitting like people I feel like Drake's popular to people who maybe wouldn't have even like gotten so deep into you know like he's very much a crossover artist even though he's in the hip-hop genre you know for sure for sure so like I think that in that way I did feel like the vibe of the city shifted but I feel like the timing of that at least at the time from like when we moved here I feel like the timing of that was simultaneous so I feel like we were moving here as things were really starting to shift so yeah. even though we'd visited here before we 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 had a lot of um we definitely saw that the scene was vibrant and the scene definitely the the folks that we hung out with like we were very much in the like more urban scene or the club scene um here in Toronto before moving here but since moving here I feel like yeah in a widespread way the there was a shift in vibe in terms of like what the city could offer you know like yeah. people were received maybe it's because you moved there <laughs> well if I could yeah it's not Drake it's me <laughs> I'll take it <laughs> um well it's awesome talking to you Tammy yeah you too this has been so fun thanks again for having me That's our show. Hope you enjoyed it. We've got a few more great ones in the can, so please stay tuned in the coming weeks. If you like the show, don't forget to go and uh, give it a rating, write a review, and most importantly, uh, if you know anyone who might be interested in this show, pass it on. Tell a friend. Post it on your socials. Get us a little attention. Thank you very much for listening. See you next time.